All right, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Lakers Outsiders podcast. I'm Donnie McHenry, your host for this Thursday podcast, and today I've got a special guest with us. He is a Lakers fan, uh, got a passion for and pretty good uh, track record of evaluating draft prospects for the big league team. Uh, he evaluates some stuff on the South Bay Lakers as well. Uh, his name is Mike Garcia. You can find his Twitter handle, if you don't know him, under Canyon Driver. Uh, Mike, how you doing this evening? Doing well. How are you doing, man? I am doing good. Uh, pleasure to talk to you for the first time. Uh, <laughs> glad we could get you some time on here. Um, so we're definitely going to talk about the 2022 uh that's what year it is, right? NBA draft. <laughs> I, felt, I felt weird saying it, even though it's June. Um, Going to have uh, Mike in here to talk about some guys uh, that he's kind of looking at for the Lakers. I mean, they don't have, of course, uh, they don't have any draft picks. Uh, just a classic scenario in the last few years. Um, haven't had a first rounder in a long time. Um, didn't have anything last year, but then they were able to get Austin Reeves. So there's definitely some stuff to talk about. Um, we're going to start with the fact that shortly after Darvin Ham's uh, introductory press conference on Monday, Rob Palenka spoke to Spectrum Sportsnet and f- flat out just stated that the team and Ham have a combined desire to get younger. And Rob specifically mentioned that the team wants to get into the second round via buying a pick somewhere in there. Um, so Mike, I was going through your Twitter. I, I saw in the past that you were a little dubious that they would actually buy a draft pick this year. I don't know if that's because, uh, the general perception of them being cheap. That's probably why I would kind of uh, be dubious about it. Um, <laughs> but how are you feeling about that prospect now that Rob just kind of flat out said, uh, that they want to do that? I mean, I'm encouraged by the idea that they're actually exploring it, exploring the whole notion altogether. Uh, I also think that um, the Lakers wouldn't even be considering the option if they didn't think that someone wouldn't slip down to that general draft area anyway. Uh, In terms of the draft, it seems a little less organized compared to prior years, meaning there's a, a chance of higher variability in regards to draft slot. You know, it's not like, oh, this guy's going to go between 5 to 10 or 15 to 20. It seems like, oh, no, this guy's 15 to 40 or 20 to 40. There's this mm-hmm. huge range of players. So um, I think the Lakers are just trying to find one of those guys. Okay. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, I feel like I've kind of read some of your stuff, and it definitely seems like a very wing-heavy draft. Um, obviously, <laughs> that's something the Lakers are desperate <clears throat> need to need of I don't think I've ever seen a team so desperately in need <laughs> of a specific role of a player uh than the Lakers are desperate for wings so I mean we didn't really need one in 2020 we basically have LeBron and Danny Green so we got a ring with that right so we don't need a wing it's just uh it's just an overrated idea right just no wings <laughs> just vibes um <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, we'll see if they uh, buy a second rounder. I mean, I, I'm sure you agree. I think they're for sure going to get two, maybe three, like guys that they want to seriously consider for like roster. Um, definitely the two way, the two two way positions um, via the like undrafted market. Um, but also wanted to talk to you about. I saw in your Substack something, an idea that I just never considered. 
Um, and it kind of goes back to the reports uh, with Austin Reeves and how there was a report of like, he kind of was telling people like, yeah, I'm going to like sign with the Lakers. Cause like the Lakers were kind of like telling them like, yeah, we're going to sign you. Just tell these people don't draft you like kind of that sort of thing. It was a little murky, the details of it. Um, yeah. Better that mur- way. The murkier, the better, I guess, if, uh, in the Lakers preference. But tell me about your idea, like regarding the Lakers uh, mid-level exception. So I was just reading up on NBA.com and it states that the text player mid-level salary exception uh, can be used to sign one or more contracts with first year salaries that provide for a total of up to nearly five and a half million and up to three seasons, which can be used for a free agent. So I was uh, tinkering with the idea of, well, if the Lakers happen to get a second round pick, and let's say it's an early second rounder, um, second round picks usually go for the rookie veteran minimum, whatever it might be. But if there's a potential first round candidate that they ranked on their board that slipped all the way through, they don't have to deliberately sign them to that veteran min. I think they could sign them to a slightly higher contract, a little bit more worthy of a late first round type of salary. And considering it's the mid-level exception, you could split that salary up. So maybe it's possible to get two guys at say one and a half million instead of one or something along those lines. I'm not entirely clear about how this works with the CBA, but <laughs> um it's the idea is all based on, Hey, we have a mid-level exception. There is a free agent. This guy hasn't been signed or drafted. We don't have to sign him to the veteran minimum. Let's see if we could get him a two to three year contract, maybe a little bit uh, worth more than the veteran minimum for the rookie scale to try and get him on our team. And if I was one of those guys, I think I'd be enticed by, Hey, it's a slightly better contract. It's not a veteran minimum contract for the second round. And Hey, it's with the Lakers. It can't be that bad because I'm playing next to, LeBron and AD, and hopefully they're healthier and it'll make things easier for me on the floor. So I think that's a great opportunity overall that the Lakers have that other teams just can't offer, especially if they're not willing to consider uh, splitting up the MLE for draft picks. Yeah, I was like, I just never considered that when I was reading it. And I, it kind of like, you know, I feel like people would like look, like hear that and just be like, that's insane. Uh, yes. But which it would be insane if it happened and immediately there would be like, some skepticism on if that player can like actually live up to that, whatever uh, the free agency, the free agency class stinks. It's bad. Um, yeah. Especially in the wing department. Like here's, uh, I pulled up like a list. Uh, it's a document called free agents. I'm interested in. Let me read like the, the wings. I mean, auto, auto Porter, like very, like not even realistic to be uh, then <laughs> let's see. <laughs> We've got uh, Mo Harkless. Uh, I wrote down Dean Wade. Uh, I learned who Dean Wade was um, a couple months ago. Uh, <laughs> Toreen Prince. Uh, I don't know if DeLon Wright even counts as a wing. Probably not. Um, uh, for the Lakers, he would. <laughs> yeah, for the Lakers, he would. I also have Ricky Rubio on here. Let's count him as a wing for the Lakers. Um Gary Payton, let's count him as a wing. I mean, it, that would be, that is a Lakers wing without a doubt. Yeah, that is, that's as close as it gets. Yeah. So needless to say, I mean, there's other free agents, but the fact that the Lakers only have that, it's like around 6 million. 
uh, taxpayer, MLE, and then everything else is just vet mints that they can offer. Like, you know, auto porter, I feel like is like the best case scenario. And like that, in that case, it's like, we're basically wanting him to accept the same money for the Lakers over the Warriors after he, yep. after he might win a championship with them. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's exactly my point. It's, it's not so much that, Hey, the Lakers can offer the same amount of money and Hey, you get to play for the Lakers. The other part of it is why would these guys leave? Like, right. I think there was some regret on Kent Baseball's side because he left the Warriors in the, with the idea of he could get there with the Lakers and figures out the Warriors actually made it to the finals. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's that whole idea is like, I don't think he really wanted to leave in the first place. He just saw a good, good opportunity with the Lakers. He took a risk. Didn't really work out. But hopefully this upcoming year, if he decides to resign with the Lakers, hopefully it works out better for him. But a lot of these free agents, I can't imagine them leaving their home team, even if uh, especially if the, their home team just pays the same amount, if not a little bit more than what the Lakers can offer. Yeah. Um, really all the ones that I think are worthwhile, like I'm not even like putting them on the list. Cause I'm looking at them. I'm like, you're just not leaving. Like yeah. Bobby Portis, you're just not going to leave. Like a hundred percent. You're not leaving. Um, so yeah, glad we could talk about that. Um, now kind of just like actually talking about these guys, uh, you've kind of been writing about and looking at, um, just in general, I want to ask, are there any attributes in like prospects that's this season you're looking for in like a potential second rounder or undrafted person for the Lakers I know you kind of you really preach just taking the best player available and I feel like that's a classic just um talking point with the draft like drafting for fit or drafting best player available I know which side you you know but is that applying here with the Lakers this year or are you kind of looking like yeah they need to get like some guy can work quickly so I think specifically for the Lakers and in terms of player attributes, you're looking for a guy that plays physical. And I know that's just a very general term, but guys that generally are more comfortable playing physical right off the bat, whether it's the offensive or defensive end, in my mind, make that transition to the NBA level a lot easier. Um, mm-hmm. We we could take a look at Austin Reeves last year. I just knew right off the bat, like, Okay, he was a lead initiator for his team. He had a great free throw rate, but I watched how he went about trying to initiate that contact on offense. It's like, oh, he's not afraid of approaching defenses in the paint. And then I saw how aggressive he was defensively, even though he had incredibly high usage. I don't think he could have exerted as much energy there that he would have liked. But for the Lakers, you know, he didn't have the – like he essentially played almost a full full game – uh, during his college years, and now he's got basically half the playing time as a Laker. So it's like he bundled up all that energy and physicality, and he's just like, I'm going to go all out, play this hard on offense, play this hard on defense, and we just saw motor and physicality. I didn't even worry about foul trouble because you you want guys to not be afraid of that. Mm-hmm. And we even saw some veterans try to go at him defensively, and sure, they had some success. I mean, I expect that. It's the NBA but he has success against them in return. And if you're attacking our guy defensively and it's a 50-50 matchup, I'll take that matchup, especially against a rookie player any day. So with this coming draft, it's, hey, does this guy seek out uh, contact offensively? Is Does he, you know, uh, defend with awareness first? Does he move his feet? Does he, you know, 
does he chest bump guys when they approach the painted area, especially around the free throw painted, uh, the free throw line or the elbows of the key? And then does he uh, maximize his verticality once he is near the rim? Now that can go for uh, big men or perimeter perimeter oriented players, but regardless of what they do best on the floor, whether it's, oh, this guy can attack the basket well, this guy can shoot really well, this guy's a great post player. You're looking for that physicality on on both ends of the floor. So that's, for me, the number one priority in terms of not only can I, do I think that this guy's going to be successful um, uh, just playing right off the bat in the NBA level, but also, hey, I think he's ready to contribute because he can hang physically with these with the NBA competition and it doesn't bother him. So maybe he could show his skills and be more comfortable in that setting as well. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Cause I mean, the physicality is only just going to get way worse. Uh, no matter which of the 30 NBA teams you're going to be playing, uh, it's going to be much, uh, much more ramped up than whatever you're dealing with, whatever conference you're coming out of in college. Um, yeah, that's funny. Or I was just thinking about just like all the time. I feel like when Austin Reeves would go into like isolation mode uh, while on offense, like the defender would be kind of like being like, okay, this, this guy's really about to try me right now. And then yeah. like, they start trying like probably like 50% more than they would normally in like a normal regular season game against a random rookie. Um, Cause like they could tell he's like about to try them. And I think he had, he had like an insane uh, like add one frequency because I just feel like people were just like bailing them out uh, at the end because they'd be trying so hard against him and they wouldn't be ready for like he he has some moves. Um, and like, yeah, like you said, he's just like not afraid of contact at all. Um, just I feel like he had so like so many and ones last year. Uh, and yeah, like you said, that was just something you saw in college and that translates. Um so yeah, what um now I'm gonna ask you about some actual actual specific guys uh you're sure. looking at for the Lakers to target. What are whether it's like you said, like apparently there's some huge ranges on some guys. Some people might have them at the end of the first round, and then like some people might be thinking you won't even get drafted. So uh what are some like two or three guys that you're kind of looking for the Lakers to target? Uh, I feel like they're probably going to be wings, <laughs> but uh, what are you thinking? Um, the the first guy that I wrote about this season is Keon Ellis. Um, he was just one of the first players that I started looking at, and there was a certain amount of motor and defensive energy that the Lakers, I mean, all teams need in general, but the Lakers really thrive on that kind of uh, defensive energy. Uh, we saw some of that from Reeves. And with Keon, he's initially listed as 6'6", 170, and then it came out during uh, the combine season that he was really like 6'3 half without shoes. And that didn't really bother me um, because his, uh, I think the best position for him to defend is actually at the point of attack or basically opposing point guards or initiators. And he just has this amazing uh, steal rate, solid block rate. He's he seeks out that physicality, even though he's kind of light compared to other players. And if he's a guy that forces turnovers and can be a little bit disruptive, that's exactly what you want out of, out of a point of attack uh, defender. Then offensively, uh, it boils down to two basic things. Um, 
He's a quarter three-point shooter. He shoots a lot of volume. He's a mid to high 33-point arc shooter. And then when uh, players are closing out on him, he can sidestep, step back, or just attack the closeout. And when there's an open lane, he can really elevate. Um, that's all the Lakers really need in terms of, uh, you know, just that's literally what the 3 and D archetype actually is. It helps that he knows how to swing pass and keep, keep the ball moving if there's a bad shot, whatever it might be. But, you know, that, I like I saw that guy and I was like, okay, great. This is the baseline of what I want to see. And he's been uh, mocked basically mid to early second round, basically this entire draft season so far. Uh, I've had him in that general ranking. I think that's fair. Um, one of my uh, dream picks was uh, Jalen Williams, who was mocked around mid-second all the way up until combine hit. And I remember writing, saying, wait a second, this is like a 6'4-plus guy, long arms, initiating an offense. And I believe I wrote about how he was a three-level scorer. He can make passing reads out of pick and roll. And he shot so well from the field. I think he was high 30s behind the arc, uh, solid around the rim, early to mid 40% around mid-range. Like, if you just looked at those shooting numbers, you would think that, oh, that might be a lottery pick. And it turns out that, hey, his athletic test turned out really well. And people found out that his wingspan was like seven feet, seven one, or something close to it. And it's like, why wouldn't you rank that guy into the mid-first round? And then I just watched his... Uh, draft position every mock go from mid second <laughs> all the way up to like 20. And I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> all right, you know, so that that's a couple guys. Um, a third guy that I had in mind, uh, let me think about because there are three guys that actually withdrew and decided to go back to school, and it kind of uh, it made the undrafted free agent part really challenging because I thought these guys would be drafted overall and push some other guys down, or I thought they would uh. end up under and the Lakers would be the guy. Um, like to Quavion Smith, uh, he went back to school. Uh, he had, apparently he had rave workouts during the combine and I'm surprised he went back to school, but you know, whatever decision is best for him, he seems happy with it. So so be it. Um, and then the two other guys were uh, Julian Strother from Gonzaga and Pete Nance. So Larry Nance's brother. And the funny thing about Pete Nance is I feel like uh, Larry Nance got the hops from his dad, but then Pete Nance got the got the perimeter shot because he looks really comfortable, right? And both of the brothers are really comfortable in the high post and passing from that area and, uh, you know, doing short-range attacks. So um, one last guy who's kind of projected around mid to late second, uh, he still kind of is, is uh, Julian Champagny. Um, I don't have his... Uh, player size right in front of me right now, but roughly six five, roughly six ten wingspan. He's been the number one option for St. John's the past couple of years. Um, when people watch him, I don't think they are enthralled with his athletic ability. He just doesn't really f- uh, appear like a fast run jump wing. But then when you watch him, he just hits a ton of contested shots, regardless if there's a hand in his face. Um, and then defensively, he's able to kind of roam and switch and actually uh, take on, you know, opposing fours and the occasional five and actually hold position a little bit, strip the basketball and and just provide some sort of resistance in the paint. And if you're telling me, hey, here's this wing size player with a three point shot that can hit 
against good contests and then show some defensive uh, versatility, that's a steal pick for the Lakers too. So, I mean, so Julian Champagny, Keon Ellis, and uh, Jalen Williams were, were the top three guys that I, that kind of come uh, foremost to the mind. Yeah. Um, funny you say that about uh, Nance's brother. Nance's brother is out of Northwestern, right? Yes. All right. All right. I recognize somebody. That's because uh, <laughs> just from being from Illinois, I pay attention to uh, an average amount of Illinois basketball. Of course, they just haven't, they haven't had a, a solid prospect in in a while until uh, Ayo Dushumu. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, you said that. I'm like, oh, I've watched Nance play in person. I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> that'd be, I mean, you say he's going back, but that'd be, I know Lakers fans would just be tickled pink uh, with another Nance coming through. Um yeah, uh, Julian, you were talking about, I watched uh, the YouTube video you put on your stack of, uh, with him. Some of those shots he makes are just insane. Just like, first of all, just like, can't believe he's taking that many shots. Uh, so <laughs> contested like that. But hell, if he's going to make them that often, sweet. Uh, and yeah, like you said, I'm like reading it right now. If he can make those types of contested shots, like that's the type of stuff that translates the NBA because most of your shots are going to be pretty damn contested. Yeah, he, he's that's the Julian Strother is the guy that I kind of secretly wanted all along in uh, undrafted free agency because uh, I read about how he was a three level shooter. So there were there were some three point shots that he was uh, well spot of three point shots great every corner great, and then he was taking some three point shots uh, with movement as well and. He just looked completely comfortable getting his feet, his feet planted and everything, and then they were good. And then when he had to attack the closeout, he has this floater up to basically 13, 15 feet, the, or the free throw strike. Right. And it looks like it's just in his bag. Like, most players kind of have to learn that kind of touch with that kind of range. And it's like, no, th- this, is, this is what he does. And I'm just like, okay, wait a second. As we mentioned before with Keon Ellis, oh, we need a 3 and D guy who shoots threes, attacks closeouts, great. Now... With, with Strother, I think he's more of the offensive-oriented player, and I would have more hope for him to actually run an offense eventually. I mean, that's what I expect him to do in Gonzaga this upcoming year. But I was kind of secretly hoping to, you know, pre-draft him, get him one year early before he takes his Austin Reeves kind of leap and then ends up in the mid-first round or higher. So that was what I was hoping for. Yeah, Um Definitely some really good guys. And, like, uh, yeah, like you said, like, if they're the prototypical 3 and D guy, please come come to Elson Gundo. <laughs> Let's get to work. Um, the floater part is so interesting because, like, you're saying, like, oh, like, they can just, you know, that's something that they kind of learn while being in the NBA. I feel like there's a lot of guys that just never learn that, period. Um, like, that's something I feel like THT is still, like, really needing um in addition to like a three-point shot to like really open up his offensive game um so like yeah seeing that in a guy that's still in college is crazy yeah with with THT I mean we've seen some incredible touch from him around the hoop like where he'll just take everything Mm -hmm. at a really tough angle and he's like oh I don't need a left hand I'll just do it right-handed anyway and it's just (laughs) a really hard angle shot he's still it's still a soft touch. It's still a soft bank and it's, he'll still convert. LeBron, LeBron and, starts copying it. Yeah, exactly. And, and you can just kind of like, well, 
THD knows how to get into the paint and he's got this finishing ability, shows incredible touch. Well, hopefully that touch expands out to 10 feet and hopefully mm-hmm. it shows 30% or mid 30% three point shooting and whatever it might be. And sometimes stuff like that just takes time. But I mean, as I think, as I've mentioned with, uh, with the NBA draft, some of these young players get skills really fast and you're just like, All right, Julian's 19 or 20 and he shoots like that. And he's got that touch from, from the floater range. Okay, great. Like, why wouldn't I draft that? So, so that's what that's all about. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, definitely some guys to look for. You, I think you said Keon Ellis, uh, Julian, God, how do you say his last name? Strother. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Jalen Williams. Man, that is insane. <laughs> um, I would have never got that. Um yeah, definitely some guys uh, for everyone uh, listening to look out for. I kind of feel like this is weirdly shaping up to be an extremely important draft for the Lakers. Uh, meanwhile, I say that and they have zero picks. But <laughs> hey, when you know, when you back yourself into a corner like the Lakers have, you gotta you gotta get creative. <laughs> you know what? Let me let me just include that they had the free agent workout recently. Yeah. So. Uh... There were a couple names that that stuck out for me that, you know, one of the upsides of of covering the draft process is uh, getting a a feel for everybody's game who enters the league, basically. So a couple of those names were uh, Alize Johnson and um, Louis King. Yeah. And with uh, Alize, hold on a second. Just give me a quick minute. Because with Alize, I remember him uh, as kind of like a weird combo forward in the sense that he played bigger than his size. Like I remember he was roughly like six, five and then he had maybe six, nine arms or something like that. And then he, he kind of has this set shot that reminds me of like, well, this will date me a little bit kind of remind me of like Charles Oakley where it didn't, didn't really <laughs> jump. It was just a set shot from distance. Okay, great. But I remember watching his tape back then and this guy just had a motor for, getting defensive rebounds, pushing up court, and then attacking the rim in transition. And I just couldn't help but think to myself, oh, he's just a jumper away. And if he gets that, he's a rotation player. So, But he's a guy, wing-sized at least, who has the strength and has motor at least to crush the glass. So, I mean, I think he'd be like a solid free agent pickup. And then there's Louis King. Um, I remember he was projected, what, mid-second to undrafted back then and then he was recently on the Sacramento Kings uh, Super Pro League team and I think they won the championship that year um, but he's like a 6'7 230 220 pound wing that he just shoots threes so uh, that was solid enough shooting and everything turned out great well, it's interesting you say that. I feel like, well, I, you know, I'm just going to count myself uh, in there. Like seeing that notification come up about Lee's Johnson uh, and Louis King, it was like, oh man, like this is this is we're doing one of these free agent workouts this early. Like, <laughs> dang, we're we're getting that uh, desperate. Lakes and Galloway on there as well. Kyle Guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, I remember Langston. He's coming off of an injury, and then Kyle Guy is a, a sh- the point guard shooter. Or he's been trying to play point guard for several teams. Virginia. For a while. Yeah, from Virginia, exactly. And he can 
shoot from distance and get a little bit hot from behind the arc. But I think it says a lot about the Lakers that, oh, hey, we're trying to buy a second round pick. And hey, these are the guys that we're working out so far. Oh, and we're also doing a free agent, you know, kind of scrimmage to evaluate who we want in free agency as well. So, I mean, all of that's leaning in the right direction to fulfilling uh, talent roster needs. Yeah, like they're doing their they're doing the work, they're doing their due diligence, looking at like the good, I'd say like the good type of player uh that they definitely need. Um, I mean the way you're just talking about Elise, like that's definitely some stuff that they could use. Uh I feel like they just need athleticism like crazy. Um I was just looking up Keon Ellis because I was like, I feel like I remember looking at him. Yeah, insane <laughs> athleticism. Um yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we will see what they do. Um, I guess before we kind of go out, uh, leave here, outside of the Lakers, are there any guys, let's see, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to have you call your shot, basically. Are there any guys, <laughs> are there guys projected to go like middle, first round, late first round that you think should actually be top 10, like top five even? Oh, you want me to be bold? Yeah. Oh, like, I can do that. Like, <laughs> really call your shot <laughs> okay so um oh well since you're asking and i don't really have to do this research but i do it anyway uh there's a uh, malaki branham from ohio state and he's usually projected around mid to late first and the thing about this game that uh, that i really like is he's one of those players that, as we mentioned before that seeks out contact you know he's a good three-point shooter but his specialty is really attacking the defense, getting into that kind of high post area, roughly 15, 20 feet away, um, find where the defensive pressure is, and then just taking an extra step or two and then literally elevating right over the defense. And just from that mid-range ability alone, I think off memory he's a mid, uh, like mid 40% two-point shooter. So uh, hold on, I got to look at who math because I remember being <laughs> really high on it. Um, let's see here. I, mean, I gotta let you. Like, I gotta let you call that shot. So, <laughs> so, uh, well, the, yeah, he was. He's seventy. He's over seventy-one percent at the rim. Uh, forty-three percent two-point range. Forty-one, forty-one percent behind the arc, and then eighty-three behind the free throw line. I'm like, okay, this is a really good shooting profile, and he's comfortable. Perfect, <laughs> and he just doesn't look like this really great. You know, as we mentioned mentioned before, like a bursty run jump athlete. So there's Branham, and then there's also uh, uh, Nikola Jovic, who same thing. He's six nine, six ten, kind of lanky. Um, he he, he kind of looks kind of awkward when he's running on the court and trying to elevate. But a dude at that size is doing step back shots. Um, sidestep behind the arc he really gets pick and roll plays but when he does he's still able to find the open men whether it's in the corners or the roll men underneath the hoop and i'm just like okay well if it's a six nine guy that can run pick and roll and he's a three level shooter why is he being ranked higher <laughs> what so, am i missing here yeah what am i and then most people just point to defense and i'm like well how many people in the lottery can defend now and <laughs> it's about as many as people think it's i don't draft specifically for defense like most of the time you know teams teach defense and then they were within a team and they could scheme around it but if you can get me a guy that can score run pick and roll it'd be a long let's just say 
you know, like a 10 year NBA vet. Well, if I get a 10 year NBA vet out of the 15th pick or 25th pick, I'm going to slam draft. So, so yeah, that's it. Yeah. Like how many, how many lottery guys from like five years ago can play defense <laughs> or like are still in the league? <laughs> like, I, I mean, Yeah. The, the thing about the NBA draft is that's what makes it. Well, that's what I find really intriguing. It's like, Oh, well, this player isn't perfect. What is the flaw? And then sometimes I think those flaws get overstated. Um, let me just mention like Trevion Williams, right? I don't know if you've read about him or seen that, heard that name before. I just, I just wrote about him very briefly. Like he's what a six, seven center who shoots within 15 feet. And then he has like a three or 4% block rate, a 2% steal rate. Oh, he can pass. He has a 34% assist rate or something like that. So he basically passes like a point guard a little bit. And then when you watch his tape, you're like, Oh, he finds every shooter. Like he passes them open. Is you know this, what I mean? Like, is this the guy from Purdue? Yes. Yes. I read, I, I read what you were talking about or I read what you uh, wrote about him. And then I was talking with my fellow blogger, Walt, about him last night because Walt, Walt brought him up. Walt was like, man, there's this guy, there's this big man from Purdue. I watched a YouTube video on and I was just, my jaw was on the floor. And I was like, oh, I watched the same exact YouTube video. It was on Mike <laughs> Stack. And I couldn't believe it. Like it was, it was like 50 passes where I was like, what? Yeah. And, and then, you know, I'm participating in, in, you know, like community mock drafts, which is kind of fun. It's a nice way to find out like, oh, if you had 20 to 30 GMs and how would the draft unfurl? And Trevion is always mid, mid second to undrafted. And I'm like, oh man. And I know the reasons. Oh, he can't, he can't protect the rim well or. Um, he's not a good shooter and he doesn't have range. I understand that. Like those are super important, especially for a big man. But if you're telling me that, Hey, I could get, uh, I could use a mid second or undrafted guy. Right. And basically not only have one point guard, but a second guy on the floor that can make that kind of read and pass guys open. That might be the guy that has a long-term career. Cause if we use the same weaknesses of, Oh, well, he's not athletic. He can't defend. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. I mean, that was that was uh, Jokic, right? Right. Yeah. I was gonna say, like, I feel like we're just describing Jokic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, oh, he's seven foot. He shoots a lot of threes, playing international ball. He still makes the same reads. And don't get me wrong, that three point range really helps, especially for his passing. But it's not like he came into the league as this great defender from the jump. He just got better at it. And then now it's like, oh, he's not a liability anymore. He holds his own and he gets boards and now we can play him on the floor and he doesn't get into severe foul trouble all the time or anything like that. Okay, great. Well, if Trevion can do that for 20 minutes a game, I mean, that's awesome. Maybe he opens up the offense a little bit more, gets a couple couple easy buckets for teammates along the way and hopefully as a whole, the whole roster's three-point percentage goes up a couple percent. I mean, that's kind of what you're trying to go for in the first place. So right. somebody like that, Trevion, I mean, sure. I'll use the second rounder on, on Trevion. I don't have a problem with that either. So, yeah, that'd be great. Now that we're saying it, uh, I feel like he's just going to, like, have some insane viral clips from Summer League. <laughs> like, he's, he's going to be – and then, but, but, but then you'll have the people just be like, yeah, but, like, his height, though? Like, this guy's not going to be anything. Like, all right, can you, can you not ruin the fun for a second, please? <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's if we looked at Draymond Green, it was the same kind of trade off. Oh, he was too short to play center. He knew how to defend, but 
he figured out passing when coach Luke Walton was with the Warriors at the time. <laughs> and then when he figured out the passing and then the defense really stuck and now look at him and nobody, I mean, he was what, mid second back then. So I'm not saying that, oh, hey, this guy's going to be Jokic or he's going to be Draymond. I'm just saying, hey, this guy has one really good NBA skill. And if he has just enough to stay on the floor, that skill is worth leaving on the floor because it right. helps make basketball easier for everybody. And that's the hardest thing to find in the league. Right. Yeah. It's like how many guys have a really good NBA skill coming in where it's like all these people are like looking for just like the balanced guys. Like, yeah, but like how many people, you know, in the NBA that are like superstars that are balanced players, like not really many, like everyone's got their flaws. Yeah, I, they're, and they're all 19, 20, 21 years old. I wouldn't right. no way would I expect these guys to have it all figured out, right? The the most figured out players that I've seen recently were uh, Cade Cunningham and Evan Mobley, and I have them one too, right? Yeah, like, I just like, felt like they can't miss. Okay, great. Well, I still think they should have gone one too. Cade was my one. I had no idea Mobley was going to play that level of defense from the jump, but he did, and great. But how often does that come around? You know, I'm not going to blame Luca for not being the greatest defender from the jump. I just know what he can do. I like Luca. You know, I'm going to take him, right? So it's that kind of thing. Well, if you could find something remotely similar to that in the second round, say some guy can get to the bucket really easily, some guy can pass really well, some guy, some outlier three point shooter, some guy can just, I don't know, just, uh, oh gosh, what's his name? He's on the Pelicans right now. Herbert Jones. Yeah. I wrote about him last year, and I, I think I wrote something along the lines of uh, there's always one guy in every draft that I like defensively, and he's going to end up doing really well. <laughs> and and Herbert Jones, like, he doesn't have three-point range, or at least he didn't then. And I didn't think that the offense the Lakers played were going to facilitate to anything he did well offensively. But figures he goes to the Pelicans, gets a little bit better shot. He becomes more aggressive off the dribble oh, he's like this really great wing defender now, right? Like, it, that's worth taking the chance on. So it's worth it. Yeah, that was a good point with uh, Herb Jones. Like, he had an extremely elite skill. Might as well take a shot at it. Um, well, geez, Mike, thanks for uh, hopping on with me. Um, definitely had a ball talking to you. And, you know, don't sell yourself short. You got loads and loads of information ready to go. Um, I'm glad I could recognize a couple names. Just, just Larry Nance's little brother, basically. I should, have, I should have thrown out some major syllables out there just to see if you're actually in or if that was like a Warped Tour band or something. Oh, like that. you already got me with the Julian guy. I'm still not even going to try and pronounce his last name. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll go ahead and wrap it up there. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. I'm going to, in the info of this, podcast i'm gonna link mike substack uh where you can read more of his writing uh read more of his stuff on uh some of the guys he's talked about and then as well as some other guys um and then i think what the nba drafts on the 23rd that sound right yeah it's around there it's, coming, it's coming up fast, so we will see i guess one if russell westbrook's still on the team around then we probably will be um and then we'll see if the lakers have a second rounder or what type of uh undrafted guys they'll take after that draft includes um mike thank you again uh oh, thank you for having me i appreciate it yeah absolutely um 
And thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, We'll see you guys next time on the Lakers Outsiders podcast. Thank you. Thank you.